Your standard household iron is what's called a steam generator iron, which means it has a water reservoir inside the body of the iron, and steam is created immediately prior to being used on the fabric. The other type of iron available for the sort of average household home sewer is a gravity feed iron, which has an external reservoir, which hangs above the iron body, carries water through a tube, and as it is needed, like when you push a button, that water goes through the tube and is superheated before it is released into the fabric. So what I'm talking about here in this episode is comparing those two types of iron and examining which one worked better for me. This episode of the Whipstitch Podcast is brought to you by the League of Dressmakers. The League of Dressmakers is an online video sewing club complete with a library of 250 plus sewing videos, PDF downloads, exclusive patterns, and community to help you be fearless in your sewing. You can find us at League of Dressmakers. That's L-E-A-G-U-E of Dressmakers.com. about 10 years while I was sewing professionally after I started Whipstitch, I used and strongly endorsed Rowenta irons. Rowenta is a very popular brand, easily available, carried by most of the, you know, sort of big box sewing stores, but also on Amazon and online. And when I taught my intro to sewing classes in person, um, I had a Rowenta that was my display version and wanted to demonstrate to people who are coming into sewing as beginners, why I am so enthusiastic about the brand. Number one, they're heavy. That's a good thing when you're sewing because you want to press rather than iron. And that's a distinction that I go into. I talked about it in my book, Stitch by Stitch. I talk about it whenever I teach beginning sewing that um, ironing is a horizontal movement, a side to side movement where the goal is to um, flatten the fibers in order to remove wrinkles and restore the shape of the garment. But pressing is a vertical up and down movement whose goal is to reduce the volume of the fabric for a particular step in the pressing, in the construction rather. Um, So a heavier iron is going to do a lot of that pressing for you just with gravity, it's less work for you. Um, So Lorenzo's because they were one of the heavier brands on the market. And um, think about the last time that you were in a hotel and realized that you were obligated to iron something and then you picked up the hotel room iron which I, I genuinely think when they select whatever iron they put in hotel rooms that they they figure you're not going to use it that much because they they are like air like you pick it up and your hand flies to the ceiling because you can't believe that it's that light um rowentas are super heavy as if they are intended to be used on a regular basis they have a steel sole plate not S-O-U-L, but S-O-L-E, like sole of a shoe, and because that's the shape of that plate on the hot part of the iron. It's made of steel, not aluminum. Uh, Aluminum is very lightweight. Steel, of course, is heavier. It heats quickly, not as fast as aluminum, but it holds the heat longer 
and it heats more evenly, which gets you great results on the fabric. The other thing I've always liked about Rowenta is they have a really solid steam function that shoots steam into the fabric. Um, and I'm going to talk about that more in a second, but that was one of the things that I liked about it. However, and this is nothing against Rowenta, that's just the brand that I used for a long time because it was the best on the market relative to other standard plug-in irons that I'd purchased. Um, after a while, even though I had endorsed this type of iron for such a long time, I had started getting really let down by them. The issue was that my irons kept leaking. And that again, that is not exclusive to this brand. That was just the brand that I used most recently before I switched to the new type of iron that I have, which is a gravity feed. So this episode of the Whipstitch podcast um, is a revisit to something I wrote about a few years ago, and that was switching from a standard steam iron to a gravity feed professional grade iron. Which one held up better when they're put face to face, pros and cons, um, and which one I use today? Thanks for listening. Disclaimer, this is just my personal experience. This is me going from a steam generator iron to a gravity feed iron and comparing the features that caused me to make that choice. Um, this is not any attempt to disparage a particular brand. It really is about the two different types of iron. So the biggest motivator to switching from one to the other, from the steam generator iron to the gravity feed iron was the leaking. I just had had it with this leaking iron. Um, the water's hot for one thing. Not only is it splashing and spluttering all over my project and soaking into my fabric when it's on the ironing board, but it's getting on my feet and my hands and it is scalding me. It was horrible. So at one point I'd finally had enough. I decided to take the suggestions that I'd had from other people, primarily from sewing friends on social media, and put them to the test. Um, instead of getting another Rowenta, again, a brand to which I was enormously loyal and that I still endorse as a great brand of steam generator iron, instead of getting another one of those, I opted to try a gravity feed iron. And there are a lot of uh, differences in the way the two operate, I was looking to eliminate my greatest woes in pressing, um, but then increase the good results I was getting. And the, it was worth my time for the same reason that I've told my students for years and years. Um, like when I wrote Stitch by Stitch, I wrote that sewing is 90% cutting and 60% ironing. So it's basically negative 50% stitching. You're stitching can be your weakest skill, and you can still get good results if you cut well and press often. Um, sewing legend Kenneth King says, you can save bad sewing with good ironing and ruin good sewing with bad ironing. Um, and I love that. A good iron is very, very high on my sewing supplies list. I regularly tell new, new beginning sewers um, that if you're going to invest in two tools, get really excellent shears, and get a really great iron. So I have happily used the best home sewing iron I could find, the Rowenta, for two decades. But once I really got to the place where no matter what I did, my iron was leaking, 
um, my complaints outweighed my enjoyment. So I started a conversation on Instagram and a bunch of friends chimed in, uh, including a number of people who I really respect and whose work I greatly admire. Uh, Liesl Gibson from Liesl & Co. pointed out that her Rowenta was also leaking and she was frustrated. Um, and I, it was Alexia Abeg who designs for uh, Ruby Star Society, who chimed in and really recommended a gravity feed iron as a solution. I adore Alexia. I think she does such careful, beautiful, artful work. Um, and so when she suggested that, it was the first time that I can recall I really thought, you know, I think I thought I'd seen gravity feed irons in the past and they had like this this appendage. They had this like the cord and this tube and it was all like on this hook hanging from the ceiling and it seemed like this thing that a dry cleaner uses. It just seemed so far beyond what I thought somebody who was sewing for themselves at home would use. Um, so I, I guess in my head, when I pictured a gravity feed iron, I imagined it being for, you know, like a, like a, like a fashion designer, like somebody in New York City who is, who is doing these huge projects or doing runway shows or something. It seemed way too professional for me, which is kind of a weird thought, but, um, but yeah, so that was the first time that I really thought, well, I don't know, maybe maybe this, maybe an upgrade is in order. A gravity feed iron is just what it sounds like and just what I've described. It is an iron that relies on gravity to carry the water from the reservoir to the steam chamber of the iron. That is different from a steam generator iron, where the steam is made inside the iron and then released, as opposed to a gravity feed iron where the water is carried to the iron and superheated before being injected into the sewing. And that becomes the core difference between the two. Is the steam in reserve or is the steam created and injected? So Threads Magazine, probably the seminal publication for anybody sewing clothing for themselves, if you do not or have not subscribed to Threads Magazine ever, I cannot encourage you strongly enough to do so. It is a treasure trove of resources and references. I save every issue. Um, there was a review over on Threads Magazine at one point a few years ago pointing out that gravity feed irons are heavier. Most of them weigh in around four pounds. Um, my interpretation of that is good. It does a lot of the work for you. Um, I definitely had some people comment when I posted this topic on my blog a few years ago that uh, they learned the hard way they had to look out for repetitive stress. Um, I believe the woman who commented that is a quilter who sews full-time, which is to say eight hours a day. And for her, a heavier iron was a real problem. She, um, she developed some elbow issues. So I will include that here as a disclaimer. That has not been what happened to me. I really like the weight of a heavier iron. I feel like it does a lot of the work for me. Um, there was also an article on Fashion Incubator. I don't know if you've been around sewing on the internet for that long, but there used to be a site called Fashion Incubator that was intended for aspiring fashion designers. Um, it was such a great resource. I really loved it. Um, there was an article there a few years ago that pointed out that getting steam into your fabric is essential to getting good results with your sewing. Um, their, their focus, you know, because of the, the purposes of, of fashion incubators, their focus was on um, 
manufacturing, you know, design and manufacture. So they were talking about industrial irons, which is not what I'm talking about. Um, the information was super nerdy and fascinating, but it was obviously a little more focused on a higher level of ironing than I'm doing. But I'd never been exposed to that idea that when you steam your fabric, that's not just like something you do, right? There are a lot of things about fabric care, garment care, fabric creation that I don't think a lot of us questioned ever. We were just told this is what you do. This is how you do this. And so we did that. Um, And ironing and pressing is one of those. I don't think a lot of us really had like lessons um, you know, beyond you know the odd Martha Stewart article. So the idea that there are two sort of physical, like physics, physical actions happening here. One is that we're we're forcing steam into the fibers of the fabric, and we're looking to remove the moisture after. Those are really essential ideas. Getting the steam back out matters. Um, that particular article was discussing commercial equipment for that reason, but I didn't need something at that magnitude. What I needed was an iron that wouldn't leave giant spots of water on my fabric that then had to dry before the fibers were set. Injecting that steam into the fabric reshapes the fibers of the textile, but then getting the steam out is what causes the fibers to retain the shape we've given them. That's why if you shape something on the bias, right? Like I've got a a strip of bias tape, I can steam that into a curve, almost like plywood, and it's going to stay that shape. That's why if I set a pleat, it's gonna stay fairly pleated even if the pleat isn't stitched down. That's why if I use a tailor's ham underneath a dart, I can steam the dart into a curved rounded shape on the tailor's ham, even though the fabric itself was more or less flat to start with, right? But I have to get that moisture back out. It's the reason that ironing boards are perforated. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. I definitely have not. Um, When you utilize like a standard folding ironing board, it is perforated on the underside because it allows the steam to pass through the textile and out the other side to help remove some of that moisture from the fabric. It's the reason why if you are a quilter and you use a felted pressing mat, you will very often not use a steam iron. You will use what's called a dry iron which is either a steam generator iron, a standard plug-in-the-wall iron with no water in it, or an iron that does not hold water at all because the felt would hold the moisture in and it would make it take longer for the textile to dry, right? Because that's what ironing is. In the case of sewing, it's pressing, right? We're shaping the fabric into what we want it to be in our finished garment, right? In order to do that, we have to soften the fibers from which the fabric is made We do that with steam. Getting steam into the fabric fast is the best way. Way better than spraying with water and then heating with the iron. I don't care what somebody else tells you. But asking the heat to create the steam after the water moistens the fabric. So since we don't just want to get the steam into the fabric, we want to get the moisture back out. When we choose an iron, we want one that'll make the most steam in the least amount of time deliver it exactly where we want it in the project, and then allow it to evaporate. Commercial presses, like the kind I was picturing in my head, the kind that are um, 
used like out of dry cleaners. They use all kinds of vacuums and blowers. I don't know if you knew that. That's why they're so loud. Like you look at it, it goes, it is the steam coming out, but it is also this blower and this vacuum kicking in to get the steam back out. At the volume that I'm sewing, I don't need that. I'm more concerned with getting steam in, but if my iron leaks, I'm working against myself. Wet fabric is weaker. The shape I am creating isn't set until the fabric is fully dry. So when I'm pressing something, for example, I will finish pressing and then stop touching it and walk away and allow it to cool completely on the ironing surface before I begin my next step to avoid stretching or warping or distorting the fibers while it is still moistened. With a home iron, like my Rowenta, the steam is generated inside the body of the iron and then it is applied to the fabric. Um, I've always liked Rowenta so much. It's heavy for a home iron. Um, it's it, Gravity's working to my advantage. I like that they have a fairly large reservoir. Um, that decreases the number of times I have to fill the iron up, right? Or, you know, like forgetting to fill it and it's empty. Um, it's a great iron, but the leaking really became an issue and I was not the only person who was struggling like that. I wouldn't have had to look for a replacement if it hadn't started leaking. I like that the Rowenta has steam holes, but not too many. Um, I'm not worried about how much steam, uh, so much as getting it in the right places quickly. I love that it had a stainless steel sole plate because I'd noticed Teflon coated plates would scratch. They'd send like weird, dangerous particles into the air. I just didn't like using them. Um, but the leaking was, it was just, the leaking was unacceptable. Um, for example, I adore bias tape. I think if anybody's been reading my blog for any length of time, you are very well aware that I'm a big fan of bias tape. It would get soaked. It's stretchy already, but then you make it wet and then it's weaker and the shape doesn't set. So, you know, I ended up working twice as long for half the results, right? When I looked into the gravity feed iron, I was concerned initially that it would be prohibitively expensive. Uh, it ended up being exactly the same cost as another steam generator iron. Maybe a little less depending on, I mean, you could spend a lot of money on an iron if you wanted to. Um, Meal Pattern Boldness is another blog that I've always loved. Peter, who writes it, had pointed out that uh, a gravity feed iron seems to take up a lot of space, right? I didn't know that it was even going to last as long. So now I'm devoting like acreage in my home to an iron that has to have a sort of a dedicated spot where it lives because it has this hanging thing going on. You have to suspend the reservoir above the level of the iron in order for gravity to work because that's how gravity works. So, you know, you, you really are, you're making a commitment when you move to a gravity feed iron. Um, so that actually gave me some pause. And I, I looked around a little bit. I did a lot of my shopping on Amazon. I looked at some models that are more expensive than the one I was looking at um, that all had great reviews, were very highly regarded. And I kind of wanted you know, like, am I making a mistake? Should I get the most expensive one rather than saving some money since I'm already committing the square footage to this thing? I ended up getting a Sapporo, uh, which is not a terribly expensive model. It was right around $100 at the time. Um, and because I sort of walked myself back, I was like, look, I'm freaking out over buying this iron and I don't know what the results will be, but I have purchased no fewer than six. 
steam generator irons that have all quit on me. I had like a cabinet at the time with three irons in it that didn't do anything, but they weren't old enough, quote, for me to feel good about tossing them. And that, but I felt gross about that. Here I have these items that are in essence disposable and I'm holding on to them out of like consumer guilt, I guess, but I can't use them. So I figured gambling $100 was certainly no more risky than getting another iron like the ones I already had, which had proved that they weren't going to last. Um, I went ahead and spent the 100 bucks. I got the Sapporo. Um, there's the feature when you're shopping online that says others who bought this item have also purchased um, and suggested an IV pole which I thought was genius. Instead of me drilling a hook into my ceiling for this product that I've never used and don't know if I'm ready to like, you know, permanently commit to, I can get an IV pole for a negligible sum of money. You could also get it at a, like a medical surplus store near your home, whatever. Um, and I hung, I hung my reservoir from that. And it all arrives. It is not perhaps beautiful <laughs> it's not I mean maybe if you're into like industrial sculpture but it's not it's not attractive it's not attractive my oldest child came in the room and was like uh are you planning some surgery <laughs> um at the time I was working in our dining room now I work out of our basement um I I still like that the IV pole has wheels on it and I can relocate depending on what project I'm working on and whether or not I'm making a video and how big it, you know, like I like the flexibility that that provides me with. Um, I did like that they came with a nonstick sole plate. You can get Teflon or not Teflon, depending on how you feel about that particular product. Um, it's a, like a molded sole plate that glides really smoothly. And I like that a lot. It prevents scorching, which is also good because this is the hottest iron I have ever worked with. It also heats up very quickly. It stays hot for a long time after you turn it off. And it has a small footprint. And that last one, I did not think was that big a deal. I just thought like, I mean, it's already so heavy. I guess they can't make it any bigger, I guess. Um, but the small footprint has ended up making an enormous difference when pressing things like waistbands, gathers, making pleats, really like getting into the corners of a finished garment. Um, I love that I can target those smaller areas with fewer passes and get great results. So it became clear very quickly for me that I prefer the gravity feed iron. I like that the water is flowing from this reservoir through this tube and I hit a little button and it, it's like a steam injection. It really shoots it into the fabric. I can feel the fabric get hot. I can see the fibers relax. The weight of the iron means I hardly have to pass the iron over the fabric very many times to, to really get great results. I'm super happy. Um, I've used it on cottons, linens, seersucker, bias tape, hems, necklines, sleeves, cuffs, linings. Uh, I've now been using it for something bordering, I don't know, five years, give or take. And my my feelings for it are, uh, are very strong. <laughs> I really don't want to go back to a standard plug-in-the-wall steam generator iron again. I really love my my gravity feed iron um, I said at one point that if it weren't so hot I would hold hands with it 
Um, I'm, I'm really, it does not leak. I have dropped it on the floor and maybe it didn't hit the floor as hard as some of my other irons, all of which have hit the floor at one time or another. Um, the floor in our basement is concrete. Uh, there, there's no rug underneath my ironing board. So when something hits the floor, it hits the floor hard. Um, and this has fallen. It is, of course, attached to a cord and a rubber tube, which are suspended by a spring. That's how it's hung on this IV pole. So there is a sort of bungee action that happens if it falls off the ironing board. Um, so maybe it hasn't hit the floor that hard. But even after having hit the floor, I have no leaks. I have no scorching. I have no drips. I get great results. On occasion, I will notice there's a reduced flow through the tube of water to the iron. And I have invariably been able to solve that by detaching the rubber tube. There's like a little, I wish there was a better word for this, but there's not. There's a little nipple on the side of the iron where the tube um, goes around it like a like a mouth almost and that's how the water gets in and you can pinch the tube closed and pull it off the iron so that the water isn't flowing freely and then just let it run into a cup or a bucket until the water is just flowing 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 every once in a while I will get like air bubbles in the tube and it means that the the iron itself isn't drawing water well enough to make good steam. So if I just like let the water run through the tube, like prime it a little bit and then reattach it to the iron, which you can do even if the iron is already hot, um, I end up getting great steam again. Um, I am religious about using the substrate that they sell along with the iron. They have this like granule stuff that you put in the reservoir that filters the water. It gradually changes color over time from blue to brown. And when it turns brown, that's how you know you should swap it out. So if you have hard water or you get a lot of um, like crusty crystallization stuff in your iron or if you have always been forced to use only distilled water with your iron then that that substrate that you put in the reservoir can really really help um it's great uh, they sell like an iron rest for it that's the other thing i had to learn when i started working with a gravity feed iron is it doesn't sit on its bottom it stays flat on the on the board like a like a I don't know, face down on the sole plate on the board. And they sell these really heavy silicone pads um, that it just sits on it. My particular brand of gravity feed iron that I use does not have an auto off switch. That was actually one of the other real deciding factors for me was that I got sick to death of working on a project. And I, you know, like, you sew a seam, you make a mistake, you have to go back and do it over, you get your seam ripper out, you put some Netflix on. And by the time you finish and you go to the iron to press it before you redo the thing that you've already made a mistake on, the iron has gone to sleep. And so you have to stand there and wait. It, it's not a good use of my time and I intensely dislike wasted time. My gravity feed iron does not have an auto shut off feature. Um, and I confess to you and only you, that I have forgotten to turn it off before and gone to bed or left the house and the iron is still on and it is face down on that ironing board. It is on that silicone mat that they sell that goes with the iron 
and it has never even scorched my ironing board cover. It really is an effective tool to go with your iron. Um, so yeah, I, if I had to say a con for the gravity feed iron, I would say that it's not portable. That I actually still have my Rowenta and don't dislike it. I use it now as a dry iron. So I do have a felt pressing mat for quilting and I like the Rowenta on the felt pressing mat. I simply don't put any water in the reservoir and I use it as a dry iron for that. Um, and a, a, gra a, a steam generating iron would be way more portable if you tend to go to retreats or conferences or guild meetings or something like that. But if that's the only con I can come up with with the gravity feed iron, and it genuinely is the only one, it is, it's a kind of a no-brainer from where I'm sitting to spend the exact same amount of money to get better results. And all I've lost is that I can't put it in my bag and take it with me man, I'm on board. So am I saying everyone should run out and get a gravity feed iron? Of course I'm not. Of course I'm not. Um, in fact, I, I believe deeply and intensely that the more we can reuse things that have already been made versus purchasing something new, the better. I really feel that strongly. Um, so I use my iron every single day for hours at a time. For me, purchasing something new rather than going out and hoping to discover one in the course of my you know thrift store shopping or my estate sale shopping that made more sense this was a business investment for me for you i would recommend asking around right like if you're interested in trying a gravity feed iron find somebody who has one and say you know can i come over and bring you a cup of coffee and just like spend 30 minutes using your gravity feed and see if it's for me um, I strongly encourage going to estate sales, particularly in your neighborhood. It's a great way to get to know your neighbors. But also, they have kind of some wackadoodle stuff that they might not talk about. Like, if you had a gravity feed iron in your basement, would it occur to you to talk about it at the neighborhood picnic? It would not. But if you go to an estate sale, you may discover that your neighbor does. And not only are you spending less on it, but you are taking something out of that waste cycle of uh, of produced goods, manufactured goods, and I think that is always a beneficial thing. So um, if you're doing a lot of sewing, you don't have a place to put a gravity feed iron where it's not going to be an eyesore or something that you have to like dismantle every time you have guests coming over, then don't get a gravity feed iron. Use the one that you already have. Um, but if you are in a position where you think, I do a lot of sewing, I'm really frustrated with the iron that I have, Maybe I can find someone who wants to trade with me and, and move to a gravity feed. I'm here to tell you, it really did. It really, the improvement over what I was using before has been night and day. So um, linked to this podcast are some show notes and the original post where I wrote about this a few years ago. I found the comments to be particularly illuminating and really, really interesting. Um, Number one, because they're like the longest comments anyone has ever written on my blog. These are paragraphs. These are conversations. People have feelings about their irons, like for real. 
Um, so if you're interested in reading more sort of pro-con analysis and um, what I think is most useful for a lot of people is the uh, the logic behind how someone might choose whether to use a steam generator versus a gravity feed iron, and then I encourage you to click on the show notes link and head over to my blog. There are also links there to all of the irons that I discussed in this episode. As always, thanks for listening and have fun sewing. Bye, you guys. This episode of the Whipstitch Podcast is brought to you by the League of Dressmakers. The League of Dressmakers is an online video sewing club complete with a library of 250 plus sewing videos, PDF downloads, exclusive patterns, and community to help you be fearless in your sewing. You can find us at League of Dressmakers, that's L-E-A-G-U-E of Dressmakers.com.